0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for taking the time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, Symbol MOTO. For more info, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. Good morning. Well, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, known by many as NHTSA, has released initial data on safety performance of advanced vehicle technologies. There are varied headlines in the press, mostly focused on the 392 crashes involving vehicles equipped with level two driver assistance technology. Joining us for the discussion, we are happy to welcome Ed Niedermeyer, who has covered the auto industry for years for major publications, is the author of Ludicrous: the unvarnished story of Tesla Motors, and is co-host of the Autonicast podcast. He's also served as communications director until recently for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education, or PAVE. Good to see you, Ed. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Well, we're gonna to turn to you first for your view of what the NHTSA report does and doesn't say. The data here was collected, I think under an order issued last year.
1: Yeah, so I think that's, it's really one of the most important things when when talking about this data is, is is to really make sure that people do understand their limitations to it. You know, I think uh, I kind of compare it to the California disengagement report uh, in the sense that, you know, for the public, we have so very few data points to go on to to really understand what's going on in this space. Um, And so when we do get, you know, some data, uh, uh, people tend to latch onto it and tend to sort of build everything up on top of that. And so I think it's really important to understand the limitations here um, and and specifically, you know, in that, you know, not everyone is is playing on the same field in terms of of the reporting of this data, right? So, um, you know, Tesla is, you know, in in a lot of the headlines for the the number of crashes, um, and you know, I I personally do believe there's, you know, and and certainly I think NHTSA has a number of investigations into. Into autopilot, so I think there is reason for concern there. But I do think it's important to recognize as well that you know Tesla has every single one of uh, the vehicles in their fleet is connected. It's very easy for them to get this crash data and report it to NHTSA. Um, whereas other automakers rely on you know much more. Uh, 20th century, shall we say, uh, uh, techniques for reporting that data. And so I think there there are probably inconsistencies in reporting. Um, Also, some of the the reports from automakers come from like consumer complaints, which as we know from the NHTSA defect database is kind of an inconsistent way. Um, But again, you know, just because this data is not perfect, uh, we need to keep that in mind. But we also don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and, you know, even small and imperfect amounts of data are, are like rain in the desert for us in this space.
0: Interesting, Alan, yeah, Ed,
1: Ed, Ed, I think ahead. it's really good that you point that out because NHTSA points
2: it out also. I think uh, if you read if you read what they've put out, they say, you know, don't compare this. You know, some may be apples, some may be oranges. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and there are those limitations. And I think you, you pointed out the, the, this, the, the issue with any data set is sampling bias. OK, I mean, it's I mean, if if if, it, if it's all the right, if there's no sample bias, you just grab it, you know, then, you know, then all the theory that goes behind statistics works. OK, yeah. and everybody's in agreement. Uh, but but always, you know, everywhere you have to be worried about sample bias. And Absolutely. I think you pointed out here, I mean, you know, for for Tesla, they almost have to report everyone because they've been ordered to report everyone and they know everyone. therefore if they don't report it then it's a Nixon cover-up, you know and we know the cover-up is, is the worst crime than, <laughs> than the deed when, when you get right down to it. So in a sense, and for the others, um, you know they have none. they don't have this. they, they, they it's not that they're putting their their, heads in the sand and saying you know we don't want to know but but the, the mechanism by by which one would find out is just enormously difficult here i mean the vin number doesn't point out what is on the car i mean it points out what used to be on cars when vin numbers were originally designed but, but it doesn't include whether or not it's, you know, this release of this whatever that's on there that does this A, B, C, D, E, F, or G. So you can't even rely on VIN number. You know, which is which, you know, and a lot of things you want to go there. So, I mean, those issues and we need to point the, that out right from the beginning, because it's probably important here. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I think those th- these issues with with sampling bias and and, and just the, the challenges around reporting are, are especially important when you're trying to take sort of big high level takeaways. Right. And, and also one of the, the factors in here. Right. Is that. Um, we don't have the mileage, right? And 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 so you can't come up with like a crash per mile, uh, vehicle mile traveled thing, which would be the first step towards establishing sort of a high level comparison. And again, Nitz is careful to warn us, don't compare, you know, uh, one competitor to, to another. And I think that's really important, but that doesn't mean there aren't other insights that you can't get from the right. data. And I think that, you know, already we've, you know, found some, some pretty interesting things. For example, you know, in the, the Tesla crashes, uh, you know, and this is just since August of last year, um, you know, one of the fields in, in, in the data, say, uh, you know, re- refers to sort of the last reported action that was taken before the crash. And and we found, you know, I did a, a live stream on, on YouTube when the data first came out and we were playing around and looking around in it. We found 29 crashes uh, just since August of last year of Tesla's where the last known action was departure from the lane or departure from the roadway. And... know that's so that's something where okay so it's 29 cases we don't know you know a a rate of per vehicle miles travel we can't really put our finger on the scope of that problem but just at at first at first blush you know the idea that a, a a driver assistance system specifically one that involves you know lane keeping um would be departing from the lane or the roadway in 29 crashes I'm, um, you know, just in, in, you know, less than a year of, of data. Like that's, that's something where, again, it's not a big high level takeaway. You have to dig in and find these sort of individual things. But I think that's one of these sorts of things that, that to me jumps out as like, okay, may, maybe there are some real reasons for concern here.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the sort of, uh... Go along with with what you found in in, in looking at the data. Some of the things that I, that, that have always that, that I've complained about, and, and you look at these data. The other one is 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 the last reported is going straight, and 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 the going straight. Then when you look at the going straight, what was the other guy doing? The other guy was the other guy was stopped. And, and, you know, I, I've been, <laughs> I, I don't know, I've been way out on, on, on the complete edge end of the distribution and saying, you know, there, it, in the automation of the vehicle, there are two states that you can be in. You're either vehicle following or you're vehicle leading, okay? And if you're vehicle following, it's, it's almost easy, okay? Because it's just, I mean, it's always easier to follow than it is to lead. I think not that I've gotten a chance to lead all that much, but, you know, I'm pretty well chopped up every time I, you know, I go out there in the front. And, and, and the issue with, with when you're leading is when you sense a stationary object ahead, you know, I've been claiming that in every one of their algorithms they suit, They find that and they throw it out. They disregard it. It was made absolutely explicit in the Uber data on in the in the uh, Arizona um, uh, crash um, uh, that killed Elaine Herzberg. You know, they saw her six seconds before they hit her. Mm. Why they hit her? Because there was a stationary object ahead that they said, well, there can't be. I mean, it can't be. I mean, we have to be able to pass underneath it. I mean, my goodness, any other stationary, most of the stationary objects that we see in the lane ahead, we pass underneath. I mean, all the, all the trees, all the, all, the, all, the over, all the overpasses, all the signs, all these things are like things that, you know, when these systems are operating, what do they see there? They usually see stationary objects, okay. A lot of the times, the stationary objects are out there. Hey, we got a gap. Every once in a while, they're here, right. okay. And you can, and if they're here, are they here? Or are they here? And it makes a big difference. Yeah. And if you can't do that reliably, then what do you do? And in fact, in one of the in, in one of the Tesla crashes, you go look at. They've redacted most of the, you know, really valuable information that one would have to try to, you know, figure out what the heck happened. And I hope that that those that get to look at the unredacted or redacted information can, you know, go figure it out what what really happened. But my goodness, you know, um, they didn't put on the brakes. Yeah. And in so, fact, the automated emergency braking system didn't kick in. Yeah. And there's no discussion here as to how the automated emergency braking system should correlate with these systems. Yeah. And it seems like they're, you know, these things are not designed as being like this. Right. As opposed to maybe coming together. Yeah. And and of course, why is that? That's because, you know, to me, that's because NHTSA forever has been in the crash mitigation business, not the crash avoidance business. Now they find themselves in the crash avoidance business. And the crash avoidance business is different than crash mitigation business because the crash mitigation business was they eat the crash and not kill the person. Okay. In the crash avoidance business, it's avoid the crash. Okay which of course we don't, that's one thing we don't know about these systems. We don't know how many crashes they avoided. So, Or maybe so, we would know if we had all the Tesla data and so on, the way they collect it, we could reconstruct it the way Waymo went in and has, I mean, what has Waymo really done well? My opinion is they've gone in there and with all their crashes, they've had all the data that Tesla has and they've gone and they analyzed it and they've gone and simulated. What if we wouldn't have disengaged? What if you know, we did and all that and so on and all the, and I think there, but you have to be able to get to that depth to be able to understand what it is. one should be doing here with all this? Uh, Ed, so what do you, you know?
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up, um, uh, you brought up a number of things that I think are, are, are really there's some interesting insights to in the data and so i know having spoken to you know a lot of people in the industry in the lead up to this um that there was a lot of concern that um you know the way that this would be distributed and reported there'd be a lot of confusion uh you know of of, of adas and 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 you know uh, fully autonomous automated driving systems right um and and I know this is something the industry is is generally concerned about something we worked on a lot when i was at pave and um, and you know, I think the reporting has been fairly good, and 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 in part, I think one of the, I think in in a way, this is really helping separate the things. And and one of the really fascinating things in the data that we found was that, um, you know, the the ADAS crashes that happened. First of all, there were more of them, which makes sense. There was, we don't know how many miles, but many, many more miles, obviously driven under ADAS. But but the ADAS crashes were overwhelmingly. Uh, did damage. So, so again, there's field for for where on the vehicle was damaged, and and with the eight crashes, it was overwhelmingly the front of the car, the front, right. the front left, the front right. So this is implying these vehicles are crashing into things that they're not seeing. And again, I think you know those of us who are familiar with the technology understand that you know to get these these. These systems down to a price point where they can sell on a car to, to private ownership. You know, you can't have lidar at this point. You know, with the cost, you can't have, you know, the the very most sophisticated, um, you know, uh, sensors and stuff. And and what's fascinating is when you look at the a, uh, the ADS data, so the fully autonomous vehicle, the Waymos, um, you know, they're overwhelmingly being hit by vehicles. Right. right, so so overwhelmingly the damage they do get some front damage. It does happen, but but overwhelmingly it's it's mostly in the rear of the vehicle, and this is also something that for those of us who followed the space for a while, we know that that this is sort of the a common thing for for many years now, and and it seems to be in part tied to the challenge of driving naturalistically, um, and and oftentimes you know these these and not to blame the autonomous vehicle obviously they're the one getting hit and it's important to understand those are not at fault crashes right for the most part if you're getting hit from behind it's almost certainly not your fault um but but also you know there there have been um you know discussion and, and reporting around the idea that it can be difficult for for human drivers sometimes if you're behind, if you are behind an autonomous vehicle and it's not driving naturalistically you it can be a little harder to interact with and that sometimes leads to these sort of low speed rear uh you know kind of collisions but i think this this specific data point is so so important for people to to understand and hopefully we can get this out in the in the media more because i think understanding you know when you have vehicles that are not only having more crashes but they're they're actually running into things that's a safety risk that you have to take more seriously i think than these sort of low speed sort of getting hit from behind things that you're seeing with with fully autonomous vehicles and i really hope if these these data get out and 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 people really understand this this will be a really important step in solving this you know what i think is one of the biggest educational challenges in this space which is differentiating uh, autonomous vehicles and adas and i think the industry's concerns were were proper that this might confuse them but i think and i was sort of hopeful going into this and and I, so far i'm I, I, I continue to be hopeful that, that this data and, and especially as it gets refined and improved, that it will uh, actually help differentiate these two sort of classes of technology in the minds of the public, which again is just so, so important.
2: Well, yeah, I, I think that that's it's kind of key with this. Um, you know, you call it naturalistic. The, 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 the problem is is that is that is that those in driving, uh, we misbehave. We, we just, you know, we supposedly have rules. We supposedly have laws. We supposedly are supposed to do things this way, but boy, you know, we just don't. And, 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 and when we don't, is when we get into trouble. When we do, we're all fine and dandy. And certainly, you know, if we, it's 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 sort of always always been kind of my discussion. That in fact we may need two rules of the roads. We may need a rule of the road that is according to the, these are rules that are followed by humans that have all their various whatever tendencies. to, to disregard this, whether to do? Da da da, misbehave and so on. And because it deals with a human, and then we may need other roles in which we deal with algorithms. Because when we write algorithms, boy, it's line at a time. Boom, 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 boom to you know, uh, sixty-four bits. Bam. Okay, I don't care if it's deep learning or. Non-deep learning, it does a boom, and that is a whole different perspective as to how one thing operates versus how another thing operates. And I, you know, as a general matter, I just don't think you can have a set of rules that says, "Hey, you know, we're going to have one entity that is all over the damn place in terms of responding to it, uh, um, behaving." The same way that another entity who is going to take it down to the you know the sixty four bits, it's 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 different. So therefore, we may need the we we may need to dress. We may need to say that the speed limit for a human is sixty five miles an hour. The speed limit for an for an algorithm is is seventy four. Okay. I, I don't, I mean, I've thrown this out. and People mm-hmm. think I'm nuts. Okay. But, but in, in a sense, you know, if you go on the New Jersey turnpike and it's, it's medium crowded and you do 65, you're a menace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you stop at a stop sign in, 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 Bo- in, in Boston, you're a menace. If you don't go through a red light for the first seven seconds of the red light in Boston, you're a menace. Why, because that's the way, I don't know, maybe it's not the way Bostonians drive, it's the way we in Princeton say people at Harvard drive. I don't know, whatever, (laughs) you call it whatever you want, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm overstating it, of course. No, I mean, this is this is the issue we're dealing with, and especially in something that for a 100 plus years has been sold to us as this thing that every one of our macho tendencies says we control, we make happen, we do donuts on our neighbor's lawns we aggressively and in it and my speed speedometer says 220 miles an hour what in jersey are you joking and 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 i can do zero to 60 and what where on cleveland (laughs) Lane on here are you joking i mean you know that's the sociology that's in all the, this darn thing, and and it's it's it just makes it really tough, okay. Yeah. And, and 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 so NHTSA, I think, has to has to somehow, or we as a society have to come into play with this thing, okay.
1: Yeah, no, I think I recently went for a ride in uh, Waymo in San Francisco, and I think some of the most impressive AV rides uh, from, have been from from Waymo and, and Zooks both in San Francisco because. That is just such a stochastic environment, and it's like it's like brownie in motion. These are just in motion in ways that are just you know. I think if, if you haven't been in a, a a place like that, and especially right. you know, in the suburbs or, or you know, and frankly, it's a, it's amazingly impressive. A lot of people thought that Waymo would be sort of stuck in in sort of Phoenix mode, you know, with big wide open streets and you know carefully controlled everything. And I'll tell you, San Francisco, it's just randomness all around you. And you know it doesn't matter. And, and you know as a human driver, it doesn't matter how good of a driver you are. things will happen, right? Like it, again, right. When, when, when you get that kind of Brownian motion, like things, things just collide with each other inevitably. And so I think um, you know, I think actually getting this crash data and, and learning that with these fully autonomous vehicles that a lot of it are crashes that you know the system could not have done anything about. Um, right. I think that's going to be actually a really, it's weird. You don't think of crash data as being something that will build public trust, which again, I think the industry has been really anxious to do. And I think that this crash data, uh, these crash data are actually going to build public trust. And I think there's a really important lesson there, which is that, you know, fundamentally, and, and I understand it's very hard to be, you know, as transparent as you want to be in the, in the, in the autonomous vehicle space. It's, it's just a, there's a lot of secrets and a lot of you know, kind of poker playing and, and, and things like that on the technical level and the business level and everything else. But I think that like, you know, the fact that that crash data is actually providing a basis to start to build more public trust, which again, is just so important for this technology. Um, I, I hope that that we learn from that. And, and again, and, you know, as you kind of alluded to, I think, uh, you know, that that this, this first step in collecting and, and, and publicizing data continues to improve so that so that the the quality and the insights that the public get out of it continue to improve. Um, because, again, I, th- I think that will actually be one of the most important things towards towards building that public trust.
0: You touched on this a little bit, Ed, and, and and I know, Alan, it's a concern of yours. So you have this data out there that's valuable at the same time, the way the public consumes it is through the media and the media looks for a big audience very often. And and so you get clickbait kinds of headlines or even some serious journalism, maybe doesn't get it right in terms of what the public should understand about this. Tell us what your thoughts are about how we can bridge that. We need this data, but at the same time, there needs to be a public understanding of what it is and what it isn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think, um, you know, I think, uh, it, it is important to, to, to make sure that, that this education is happening. First of all, I, I would like to say, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this, a lot of people in the industry, as I alluded to, saw this sort of as a test for the media. Um, and I haven't done like a really fully comprehensive. I need to to do that probably today is just kind of really go through and, and, and really take stock of the coverage, but I think it's been better than people expected. And I think people, the, the media has been making a lot of progress kind of quietly over the last couple of years, a couple of years ago in, in 2020, um, a woman named Liza Dixon came out with a story, uh, a, a paper, uh, uh, an academic paper called a Ton of Washing. and there was something about that that word. And, and her very elegant explanation of why it's so important that in a human-in-the-loop system, the driver's trust is calibrated to the actual capabilities of that system. And, and she just made it very easy to understand But I think more than anything, it was coining that term, a ton of washing, and it started to take off on Twitter, and then you started to hear it in conversations, and it, it still hasn't gone, I think, as far as it, it can, but I think especially for the media who are looking at that public discourse around this technology, it really helped bring home their responsibility to to get these uh these things right and in particular around you know not letting people believe that systems that are not autonomous are are more autonomous than they are so i think you know more progress needs to be made and i think that um you know the the industry i think you know there are you know there's infrastructure in place i think to to kind of do more of that media outreach and education um, but I think it's, it's, really, it's really encouraging that, that progress is there. And, and frankly, what I would do is, or my advice to the, the industry would be sort of, okay, we know that, that this NHTSA data is going to continue to be updated on a monthly basis. There's going to continue to be stories about it. You know, this is going to be a resource that people, for all of its shortcomings, are going to continue to use to try and understand this space. Maybe use that as a focal point for maybe some initiatives to, to reach out to the media and educate and engage Um, Because I think there's a lot of interesting stories in there. And I think, you know, folks in the media are trying to cover so many different things. They really need the help of of folks in the industry uh, to help them make sense of these things. What matters, what doesn't, and and what does it all actually mean?
0: Alan?
2: Yeah, well, uh, of course, I I agree here. I think uh, um, um, a couple of points... I've made, and I'd like to, of course, make again that that on the safety piece, um, everybody should be cooperating. There shouldn't be any competition. I mean, there almost shouldn't be any IP. I mean, what one of these companies is going to say? Hey, uh, I know, I know the thing to avoid it. You don't, so I'm going to wait until you nail that nail that person, and then you'll figure. I mean. Come on. I mean, that's just no way to behave. The safer this industry as a whole can become, the faster, the better everybody is. So if there should be collusion within the industry, there should be collusion on safety and there should be collusion with respect to these data and everybody should be sharing it. And, you know, whenever Waymo comes out, hey, look at this corner case that I found it. Uh, hey, you know, everybody pay attention. I might even share how I'm going to handle it. I mean, it that should be there. I mean, they shouldn't be competing on this stuff, because because any if if one looks at at what the the killing of Elaine Herzberg did to the industry, there is not a more severe crunch on the industry that was placed on it. I mean, even this whole, you know, Russia invading Ukraine wasn't this big. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it just, it took the wind out of it. Okay. It took the w- complete wind out, out of Uber and Lyft, basically made those companies, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think impossible to succeed without it. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 you know, that's one crash. Yeah, one. Yeah. One. One. Absolutely. So you know, when NHTSA goes on and says Pony AI or whatever, or or California says, look, hey, you you folks in this business should not be misbehaving in any way having to do with safety. They should be they should be, hey, help me, please, as soon as you, because the, the biggest problem with safety is we don't know what we don't know. Okay. You know, all the, you know, yellow stickers all over my car having to deal with the passenger airbag possibly killing a child. When people put put airbags first in passenger seats, nobody ever thought it was going to kill a child. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah. We we didn't. All of a sudden, the child got killed. Oh my goodness! Okay, now let everybody know. Look, we got to be careful about this one. I mean, this is the same fundamental situation we're here in. Yeah. And, and to me, that's that's what you know. All this, you know, running into the back end. Of, it's not running into the back end of fire trucks with lights on. It's a stationary object ahead, guys. Yeah. When you're leading, that is a tough thing to deal with, because you always assume such a high percentage of the case you can pass underneath that sucker okay and the few times that you can't you've got and and so the code has to be tight in that and we we need to make that tight we make that tight so that you know the brakes aren't you know tapping and somebody why the brakes go on oh geez i have to take it back to the dealer because it's not working right you know that 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 false alarm rate at that point is just such a tough one. Yeah. Anyway, um well, and, bunch, and I bunch think it along those those lines but whatever.
1: You know, I, I people have asked me a couple of times, you know, why they think um Nitsa sort of released this data uh set so so quickly. I mean, this is less than a year of data, yeah, right? No, it, and it, I it, think yeah. I think you have to look, well, no, and, and I think you have to look at sort of the other things that NHTSA sort of has on its on its plate uh, and its docket. So of course you have you know the, a number of of investigations into Tesla autopilot. I think clearly these data are, re- are relevant to that and will probably be part of, of building that case. But I think the other piece is you know, comments just last week closed on uh, an update to NCAP. Um, and one of the big pieces of that of that update to NCAP that's now moving forward. Is uh, you know discussion of, of how to improve the driver assistance systems, particularly um, you know uh, uh, like a vulnerable road user, uh, so like pedestrian aware AEB um, and and low light conditions. You know we know that 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 vulnerable road user deaths continue to go up. Yeah, um, they they happen largely in low light conditions, things like that. And so there's and and, and so I think you know this this ADAS, data in this, in, in the sense showing, first of all, actually it shows a couple of things. So first of all, I mentioned that, that, you know, it's predominantly cars running into things, which again, I think, you know, right. you, you've discussed yeah. some of the challenges with, with, with perception uh, around that. And, you know, maybe, especially if you're, if you're going to have a, you know, to get a, a four or five star rating, you have to do much better on the pedestrian crash thing. Maybe this will be something that will encourage LIDAR into more uh, passenger vehicles and potentially bending the cost curve on that, which I think has some some interesting potential. I, you know, again, I don't I don't want to, you know, get too, uh, too carried away. But one of the other interesting things in, in the data as well is there were a number there were a couple of, of uh, vulnerable road user crashes in that data set, which mm-hmm. you, in the ADAS data set, which you would not assume would be there because level two systems are almost universally you know, designed for the freeway, you know, controlled access freeway uh, operational design domain. And so how are how are they hitting VRUs, right? And it's because people are activating these systems outside of there. Uh, you know, they're, they're activating them on public roads, and the automakers are not putting these constraints in. And the NTSB and several, you know, Tesla crash investigations have pointed this out as a factor. And so I think there's like a number of actionable items in this data that that kind of align with some of the things that NHTSA is looking at um, sort of making progress on and um, so I'm really you know I think that's it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how they kind of pull on some of the insights of this data in, in building policy going forward and again as as this data collection gets better and better I mean in theory at least right that's going to allow them to kind of make better and better not not just sort of a, a defect investigation and enforcement type of stuff um but but really proactively making better better policy and that's one of the things i'm i'm pretty excited about about this whole effort
2: yeah i i think you know and, and, and i spend a little bit of time looking at the data i think one of the tesla um fatalities is a is a uh, As a pedestrian, Um, I think the impact velocity that they happen to have in there off the top of my head is like 40 miles an hour type of thing and so on. Uh, Unfortunately, there's a lot of redacting. There's not enough information there to, to know where it is doesn't have a lot long on it doesn't i mean they 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 redacted all that i tried to do a geographic distribution of all the you know the 200 and whatever and and the best you can do is is by city and you know it is of course you know, mostly California, Texas, you know, center of the country. I don't know, maybe in Iowa, they don't report things or something <laughs> like that, or maybe Iowa. I, I don't know. I just wanted to see what the heck the geographic distribution, of the darn data were and, 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 and looking at it. Uh, but, you know, there, there, there are also some, some issues with respect to some of these things because they're, there are all sorts of other extraneous circumstances that can exist, you know, in some places. Um um, suicides by kissing a a, a car is is um, I know you know it's probably not something one should mention here we have um, we have uh, the northeast corridor a couple of miles you know at Princeton Junction Princeton Junction 125 miles an hour I mean you, you don't even want to mention it okay yeah. but uh, whew, and you know and, and the problem is we're dealing with very low rates here we're right. dealing with very few data points where which is in some sense i mean when one looks at the fact that there are only less than 300 i mean you know given the number of crashes oh yeah crashes yep. that occur you know there are 100 plus fatalities a day you know uh the number of crashes that occur like, wow. And and the definition of a crash here is especially in the, in the uh, uh, automated side, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I think in one, a pedestrian collided with a V ve- with a stopped vehicle. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's almost that bad. I mean, and the yeah. one, I think in thinking back to the earlier data, from California, I think it was a two mile an hour. Um, well, was it the bus's fault or was it the Waymo's car's fault? It was a, it was really a toss up, but, you know, so. Um, anyway, all that needs to be, we're learning an enormous amount. Yeah, and to me, maybe the biggest takeaway is that the numbers are really this small.
1: Yeah, even for
2: Tesla, that they're this small, given that they know everyone, and unless (laughs) unless they're covering up, (sighs) which. I doubt it because, again, as we said, first thing, that's worse than the crime. Um,
1: It is, although I've in my in my reporting, I've certainly caught Tesla covering things up before. So that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that they're doing it in this case. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: no, yeah. Trust but verify. Right. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Trust but verify. That's that's my motto on all these things. Absolutely. But from the look at it, looks at it. there are some things that we can we're learning that we can do a heck of a lot better yeah and and
1: um none i think like there's been sort of a vacuum you know around this kind of data in in the public discourse at least and kind of what's filled that vacuum up to this point has actually really been Um, Tesla's, you know, again, Elon Musk and and Tesla say whatever else you want about them. They're great at getting people's attention. Right. Right. And, and they, what, so they've kind of set the definitions a little bit around this whole conversation by releasing this, uh, this quarterly safety report, which has really been the only thing like it. And, and that's really been sort of set the, the, the rules of, of just, again, in the public discourse realm. And, and one of the things that's kind of concerning about that is first of all, I mean, there, there's some really you know I think important questions about about the the representations that they make in those in those claims right for example and and, and noah goodall a researcher at, at, at Virginia Tech um mm-hmm. has recently come out with a paper that I think finally really provides some credible uh clarification on this that you know you can't just say you know here's the average human driver and here's autopilot again a system that's designed mm-hmm. for for access, you know, controlled access freeways, which are the safest domain overwhelmingly, the safest kind of road you can operate in and they're apples to apples. Like, no, they're not. You have to adjust (laughs) based on, on those things, but there's a deeper level thing going on here where Tesla kind of makes the argument that like, oh, you know, these safety concerns, like these very specific design uh, issues that were surfaced in these individual NTSB investigations, like that they somehow don't matter because, When you just take the the 40,000 foot view on a crashes per mile basis, autopilot looks, again, without controlling for these factors. Also, by the way, Tesla in its safety report, they only count crashes within five seconds where autopilot was was active within five seconds of impact. And I'm sorry, but like all of the the handoff problems show you need to like NHTSA is looking at 30 seconds. Right. And I think you need that much, much bigger window to accurately you know gauge when a system is is contributing but the but the point that i'm making here is that is that again i think the the fact that tesla has sort of set the discussion again just in the public round i don't not really among experts necessarily um but but they sort of established the the framing of the whole conversation that way and so that's why i think everyone wanted to like when they got this data pull out these these high level you know crash per mile type of of comparisons and again i think instead the the really interesting Insights are are going to be sort of like oh like here are these behaviors that keep showing up um, yeah. of you know again lane keeping systems that are that are going off the the lane or off the road it, it, you know immediately before crashes and I think that's I think I think sort of so so we don't just need to help get the data out there but also kind of reframing this conversation and saying you know look just because you have a low crash rate doesn't mean you don't have potentially have safety issues you know a lot of times safety issues are found right so if you think of that high level analysis is sort of like, you know, the macro analysis, a lot of defects actually probably more are found through sort of a micro analysis of, of, of sort of doing an engineering, you know, root cause analysis of individual cases, because, you know, you can you, you can have these, these individual defects of, of various kinds that may not show up statistically across the, the, the sweep of things, but still present an unreasonable risk to public safety. And that's one important piece of, of helping people, I think, understand, these these data.
2: Absolutely. I mean, on these data, we should fix some things. And, yeah. and again, the, to me, the, the, the things that really look at is when the vehicles were going straight, mm-hmm. they were hitting stuff. Okay. Shouldn't, shouldn't do that. You sh- shouldn't do that. The whole lane departure thing, business okay where in the heck was it were, were there li- lines or weren't there lines I, okay was it a, a misbehavior by by the individual or was it my goodness get this darn thing to really work and follow the damn lines okay and the other thing to me is i you know somehow we have this automated emergency braking thing that's i guess finally it doesn't just warn us it supposedly does something for us But darn thing waits till 1.6 seconds before collision oh, my goodness, why didn't you do this 1.7 seconds before collision? Why didn't you start doing something 1.8 seconds? Would it really hurt me if you would have started doing something 2.5 seconds before collisions and maybe not, you know, tried to you know, won't break loose? And then how does this fit in with the whole intelligent cruise control thing that, to me seems to work damn well. I use it all the time, okay? I mean, I just, I think it's wonderful, okay? But I've never seen mine not work. But in a sense, you know, those those are things that we can learn here. And to me, I guess the other number is I haven't gone through sort of the normalization. Either these systems are not being sold, not being used, but if this is all the crashes they cause, my goodness, they're pretty damn good. Okay. <laughs> or, but it may be that they're not selling any of them and nobody's using them or, you know, nobody's reporting them. I think those are the, you know, the, the things. I think there's still some things that we could do with these systems <laughs> that, that can improve them. <laughs> okay. Because the numbers are, the numbers are small. Yeah. Especially if you take it, Tesla out of it for the rest of them, there's Mercedes at zero. Yep, uh, okay, yep, even though I think I hit a deer with
1: mine on, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and I think All I think right. that's one of the really important things is that is that NHTSA does need to continue to improve and, and make sure that the, the automakers are improving their capacity. Like kind of the weak point of this is that so much does depend on on how good the, the automakers are at collecting the data and they yeah. will improve as cars get more connected. But I think you know this creates an incentive to to make sure that capacity gets built. And I, I really hope that that NHTSA works proactively to kind of to build that capacity so that this data gets better and better and better. Um, so that again, like all these and things, they should want
2: to improve because yeah. they should want to know. Because out of knowing, then they can figure out what they don't know to improve the darn thing. So it is very much in and share it with the others. Darn it! And if Washington doesn't let you, then then do get some legislation that says you can't collude mm. on safety. Okay, that is an antitrust. That is yeah. in the public uh, value domain. Uh, anyway, that's, great, that's, great my, point, that's my, uh, sorry to. Oh.
0: <laughs> well, we'll be back, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for a white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. You'll find it under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs you may know can be a good way to spread risk with investments. Maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Ed Niedermeyer. Ed, along the lines of what we were just talking about, uh, the NHTSA report, future releases then, we can assume, are going to be even more valuable to us all?
1: I mean, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, I think, uh, y- you know, again, f- folks in the industry were really concerned about this uh, initial, um, you know, sort of dump. Um, and I think part of that was just the fact that, that NHTSA kind of, I think they've kind of been on the back foot with this entire uh, special uh, uh, special general order. I think it kind of took them from surprise from the jump. And I think they've been sort of you know, not as in the loop as they maybe kind of wanted to be, and and so and and you know and have very legitimate concerns about public confusion about this technology and 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 you know the the difficulty, right? It's just difficult to interpret this data properly, um, especially given all the just sort of fundamental constraints of how it's collected and reporting and, and sampling, you know, biases and challenges. Um, but I think you know. I think all things considered, and, and I'm you know excited to to have more conversations with with folks in the industry about this. But I, my sense is is that this has gone better than they kind of feared. Um, that that the reporting again, that you know maybe not perfect, but but there was some context provided uh, for it. They they did very clearly separate the data point. I'm you know I think we're really glad it wasn't just you know, one, one uh, spreadsheet with, or like two sheets in the same spreadsheet file or something like that. I think even just little subtle things like that could have helped confuse people and putting them in just in different different uh, uh, Excel documents. Um, and I think the media, uh, you know, stepped up to the challenge and, and was aware that this was going to be a challenge. And I think they've so far done pretty well. And I think the the key is, you know, there's sort of two pieces of this on, on the NHTSA industry collaboration side. I think there needs to be a lot more just conversations. Like, I think, I think this has been, you know, I think, I think it's understandable that that, that NHTSA wanted to do what it was going to do and not sort of have the industry influence it too much. But I think going forward, now that it's been established, you know, they need to work together to, to improve this reporting just so it's like, cause if the data is going to come out, you know, no, no one can fight that now. The data will continue to come out. The only question is, how good is it? And I think that, you know, is something that everyone can collaborate on. And then, and then separately, as I discussed before, um, you know, I think the industry should really sort of uh, embrace this data and the sort of ongoing release of it as an opportunity to build their relationships with with folks in the media, helping them really understand these data, what they mean, And and I think that those sort of two pieces, improving the collection and then improving the sort of public analysis and explanation, um, you know, this is actually exactly the kind of thing that the industry has been trying to do. I mean, with with Pave, like this is this is like Mm a a, an amazing thing for 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 that kind of effort. And so I think, um, you know, I really hope that people. Again, now that now that there's no doubt that it's happening now, it's like, okay, it's out, it's happening. We've 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 taken this first step. Let's really find ways to work together to 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 make the most of this. Yeah. And
2: along those lines, I think it's, you know, as as I look at the, the California disengagement reports, of course, you know, when they first came out, everybody was really, you know, hey, this can be gamed. Uh, yeah. Okay. Some people sat there and played games. Guess what? All the people who play games are now out of business, I think, in some sense. I mean, to me, my view of, of the disengagement reports, if I'm going to go out there and test, I want to maximize disengagements. I, I want to find the corners. I want to find this stuff that I don't know. That's what I'm testing for. Then I'm going to go back and fix it. But I'm going if I if I know it's gonna work here, am I gonna just sit there and accumulate miles so my 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 disengagement per mile number? Because I mean, uh, kidding me? Get out of here! That, I mean, that's 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 not the value of testing, uh, and not to get a, a you know uh, some some something in some publication and, and some click that said, ooh, I did. no, man, I want, I want to find out where I need to improve. Yeah, I hope that the industry takes this and says, my goodness, all the crashes, I want to put it in the VIN number. What the heck this stuff is so that because I know at least VIN number is going to get collected and I can go see, oh, my goodness, it was this thing that was there and get them from the VIN number right now to be able to go find this from a police report. I mean, Yeah, that's hard work. I don't know who writes the algorithm that goes and and scrapes all the police reports to go find this stuff. I mean, you know, maybe I'll get one of my students to do that or something like that, but whatever. But it's not easy.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, I love the the disengagement report comparison. Cause you know, as you said, like when, when that's the only data point you have, of course, people will latch onto it and overinterpret it because what else are you going to go on? People are curious about this stuff, yeah. you know, and so they're going to use what they have. I think the other really interesting uh, sort of example of, of like where to, you know, how to be careful about this. So, so I think in general, the lesson is right. The more data you put out there, the more transparent you are the the less people will overinterpret any one piece of it. Right. And you, you get a better picture, right? Um, but then I think the other, the other pieces, you know, I know uh, from my coverage of sort of the traditional auto industry and some of the the safety scandals that have happened. Um, you know, the NHTSA complaint database is, is a very important tool for the regulator. Um, and, and it's publicly available. But I think, you know, we've also seen folks get into trouble. Certainly, my colleagues in the media, I think, in, in some of the past safety scandals, got into trouble by over-interpreting uh, overinterpreting that data, which is self-reported, self-selected, very subjective, oftentimes in crashes, particularly with, with ADAS, you know, the, the person reporting this crash and describing it, you know, because as you said, the, the narrative details, it's, it's frustrating that that's, that that's redacted. And I do hope that, that NHTSA going forward doesn't just put that in the hands of the company. I hope they force the companies to provide the narrative and NHTSA itself does that redaction so they keep it to only the bare minimum because companies absolutely... Um, you know, abuse that, but, but again, one of the, you know, one of the things with these, with the complaint database, and this is just talking about standard defects, you know, this is not about uh, driving automation technology here, uh, is that, is that it's just, people can kind of say whatever they want. You know, yeah. and 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 you know, people's just as as people are 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 sort of random and 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 you know, dri- drive their vehicles, you know, in sort of animal spirits kind of irrational ways. The same thing has to do with 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 reporting data, right? The, your perception and your and your retelling of a crash oftentimes is very subjective, and so so that's something that I think Nitsa needs to be really careful about. Is make sure this doesn't just turn into another one right. of those. Um, because yeah. that, I think, will make the data, there'll yeah. be so much noise, it'll be hard to get the signal. The, the
2: sample bias of that, the whole, I mean, it's the whole problem with the internet. I mean, look, we're going to have a hearing at one o'clock this afternoon. It you know, looks at, you know, just crap out there that's put out there that's whatever that's, I mean, yeah. So you have to, I mean, there, there's data in there. There are supposed to be recorders on these things. Okay, the recorders are supposed to be just like the recorders we've had in aviation that has basically saved our butt in aviation. I mean, what I mean, what a what a beautiful thing to put to to be in every airplane is to have those two black boxes. Why? So that so that we could find out what we don't know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, and it's important here. And if it shows up, look, I. I, (laughs) If you're going to do something nothing is perfectly safe and we shouldn't even have that as an objective okay it should be the reasonable and to to just do good work and to do good work you have to you, you have to know what you don't know yeah,
1: yeah, no, and, wow. and one thing I was really surprised in, in, in this data set as well, how few of the reports actually come from law enforcement reporting, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it was a, a much smaller percentage than I, than I thought, and so like there I think is a really, it's not necessarily it's a little maybe counterintuitive, but I think it's a really interesting avenue for improving the collection of this data because I frankly again I, I think you know the the, the police and first responders are going to be a more objective source of data about the crash than the person who was directly involved in it for a whole bunch of reasons, right? Yeah. And 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 so I think working with law enforcement to build their capacity to get that data, especially you know, because again, the the sooner you collect it, the the clearer it is, the more credible it is, you know. And and they're the first people there, and if they can, part of their you know your w- workflow essentially is just taking down some of the key uh, Data points and improving the the percentage of 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 incidents in this database that's coming from law enforcement as opposed to the people involved in the crashes. I think that's a a really good way to to improve the quality of these data.
2: Well, that's a very good point. It may be just changing the workflow a little bit of the first responders. Maybe one of the things you ask is not only were you drinking or whatever, maybe even if they even ask those things, but who was driving? Did you have the damn thing on? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, something simple like that because, it, or, and, and seriously, somebody should really. I, people have been talking about changing the VIN number and having the VIN number or having the VIN number correlate to what was on the sheet on the window of the car when it was sold. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think there is a process that you, that goes through that and and correlates those two things, yep. and, and maybe the OEMs need to make that available so that when you have a VIN number, you can tell, oh yeah, uh, the the feature, the Distronic feature, was available on this car, it was put on there, okay, and uh, you go through the the maintenance records and it was never turned off, or we or what, uh, you know, I mean, you, the, the data are there. <laughs> Could.
1: I'm yeah. not saying it's easy, but you could because the yeah. data are there. Yeah absolutely but i but i think you know and i think like uh, law enforcement and first responders on on that piece of it they don't think of this as yeah. as necessarily being their their responsibility um and, and you know and they've got enough on their plates for sure but <laughs> but i think yeah. it, it doesn't take much to just do some education around hey this is really important not just for understanding you know safety I- issues in in the short term that need enforcement action but again developing policy over the long term and if you just do a little bit of collection and then and i think especially i think Making sure that there's a clear conduit from all of these little local law enforcement and, and first responder outfits to this NHTSA database. I think that that might be in some ways the, the challenging piece of it. But again, I think, you know, this is a, you know, there, there are so many ways in which in which collecting and, 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 and bringing data back to the, the policymakers uh, can improve so many aspects of, of, of everything to do with certainly with, with transportation, but even beyond. Um, I think this is a really interesting test case, and I think that hopefully the motivation is really strong because, you know, this isn't just about you know making the sewer system work better or or something like that. This is human human lives, right? And and I think that um, you know especially first responders understand you know how how serious the the cost of these crashes. Which again, I think, you know, it's. it's way too easy in this country to just be casual about 40,000 people a year dying and just think of those as just numbers. The first responders know that this is not just numbers. They they see the people, yeah. they see what happens, they deal with the family members. And so I really hope that, that you know, um, that, that that is something that can really be helped to, to again, just sort of Improve this collection. Get, get the data coming in from more sources, from more objective sources, and give them the tools to make that easy, so that they don't. So it's not a, a something that takes them out of their, you know, out of their way to do it. It should just be a standard part of that uh, of the work that they do. Because we have so far, and I think people don't understand necessarily how hard this technology is to regulate and how little data is, is, not that it exists. As you say, there's data. All over the place, right? But but it's just not getting to the regulators um, and frankly to the public in in really actionable ways. And I think the public needs to be a, a stakeholder in this. Um, and and so I think like helping people understand how far we have to go in in making really high quality data-driven policy around this technology and how important the, the very first step of it is, is this collecting this data. And now I think we move into the, the the process of improving the collection of this data and improving the interpretation of this data so that so we can continue to make progress because the next step after that, again, is, is policy, right? And translating the insights that we're getting out of this into really strong policy, which, um, you know, I think it will only be good for everyone. Well, I, I'd like to take it beyond policy because
2: once you know you have a problem, I think every one of these companies wants to fix it. Yeah. There's no reason. I mean, look, Tesla, I mean, look, why not fix it over the air update and it's fixed? I mean, it seems to be that the, it
1: just seems to be so simple. Yeah, once you know that, that, that there is a problem. OK, but the NTSB. I, I think, has has pointed out problems with Tesla's you know autopilot design since you know 2018 2019 2020 they were doing these these reports out there and and they have you know when was the last time you you remember the NTSB putting out safety recommendations stemming from investigations of fatal crashes and the company just doesn't even acknowledge it or respond to it i mean that's pretty that's pretty unprecedented right well, yeah
2: i i i yeah i i know i don't i don't know i mean, you know it just Maybe the other maybe, you know, when when the other companies all have over the air updating, they won't have that. They'll just deal with it. I it just seems. Uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's and frustrating. Why? Why, it's... why? Why continue the name? I mean, it's 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 almost silly. OK, it's really it's almost silly it's really it?
1: frustrating that that they have such good data but also tesla i mean have have better you know ability to collect these data than anyone else and yet how they use data publicly um, how they, their failure to respond to, to, to serious safety criticisms, I, you know, and, and just how they respond in general to, to, you know, reporting and all kinds of other things. It's like they have all of everything they need to be way more transparent and build more public trust than anyone else. And yet Tesla is the outlier in the industry. I feel like everybody else in the industry, you know, they, they're part of organizations like PAVE and things like that because they see building trust is so important. And as you were saying, one one crash is not just a problem for that company, it's the problem for the whole industry. And again, Tesla is such an outlier in the attitude, right? And that's what's, that's what's so frustrating is that they have all the pieces in place to really build public trust with by, by disclosing more data and things like that. And at every turn, I think they make decisions to, to do the opposite of that. And, and I think at some point, that's one of the, the reckonings that has to happen here because, and, and I think the public needs to understand how different they are on attitudes. How how everyone else in the industry really wants us to be like airlines, where you know one airline goes down is not just an American Airlines problem; it's everyone everyone's problem. Um, and and Tesla's just a, a, an outlier with that. And and I think that hopefully you know some of the enforcement actions that I think are, are coming down the line uh, will be a start t- towards moving in that direction.
2: Ed, for years I've offered to do a peer review of the Tesla data for free. Okay. <laughs> Or you know to get to assemble whatever the brightest statistical minds in the nation to do a peer review of the of their data and and I've had everybody try to help me to get in in the door to to get them to do that and of course uh, how successful have I been ba ba boom zero and it's it's really a shame it's a shame because because my gut feel is is that way, 90-some percent of the Tesla owners are very careful people, okay? There are a few who-knows-whats that go out there that who-knows-what and decide who-knows-what for who-knows-what, whatever, that then get in the tr- rubble i think and 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 in the rides that i've had in teslas and so on and my use of my car that has something that is i know not as good as tesla damn things they i think they've saved my butt a couple of times yeah. okay and i i just think that these systems do work and don't probably don't work as well and to me the the small number of reportings that are out here although it may be because of the reasons we said <laughs> but that the, these systems do work so but, they, it, but there are places where they don't and they can still be improved and, and almost trivially
1: yeah and and, and th- darn it it's a shame that we're not taking advantage of that darn it yeah and I, I think one of the the th- I in my sense of of just talking you know again I, this is not something I have from the regulators themselves so 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 grain of salt on this but I think you know it, we're sort of alluded to how hard it is to, to regulate the technology itself, right? And certainly NHTSA as an organization, you know, that's, that's you know, their, their entire legacy has been, you know, regulating mostly like mechanical defects, you know, increasing electrical and things like that. But like, this, they're not in machine learning. They're not, you know, yeah. in computer vision, the, the kinds of problems that you get with those sorts of systems are not things that, that they're really necessarily going to be able to catch. And it, but I think, you know, that's why with, with the Tesla investigations, I get the sense and, and the, the recent upgrade to the an engineering analysis of, of that just happened the other week, they, they start to explicitly mention this. And, and it goes back to there's a 2016 uh, enforcement guidance that was put out, um, uh, you know, following the Josh Brown crash that's still never been invoked. They've never taken enforcement action based on this yet. Um, but I think this is what it's moving towards, which is around the idea of foreseeable misuse. And again, I think you know part of the problem that we're dealing with with these ADAS crashes, right? So, so first of all, I think we we all know, right? If you if you're working with a single camera system, uh, or you know a a, a mono monocular camera system, it it can do amazing things, and and there can be a lot of you know safety advantages and benefits and stuff that that can come out of that. But it is limited; it's fundamentally limited. We're not talking about you know. Uh, lidar radar and and camera 360 degrees you know uh overlap redundant and 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 diverse right like like you cannot get those kinds of sensor suites um uh onto vehicles and and so you know then the where you make up for that is by enhancing the brains by having that human there right the human has to be part of that the system part of feature. that loop all the time and unfortunately again in the in the sort of unsophisticated discourse that again has been kind of dominated by Tesla that we've had so far, this technology. And I mean, level two ADAS has been framed as something really distinct from human drivers. It's like, here's this human driving, you know, safety record. Here's this a- level two ADAS. And, and I think what, what gets lost for a lot of people is that, you know, actually how those humans behind the wheel are performing is very fundamental to the numbers in that L2 ADAS system. This is not comparing technology versus humans. This is comparing, you know, and humans are really the last line. And as you know, from every safety analysis and whatever, it's that last line being there that's so, so important. And so I think when action is taken on, on autopilot and or full self-driving, which I do think I have a high confidence that that something will happen in the next year or so, um, I, I don't think it's going to be them trying to say, you know, oh, you have a problem in your machine learning that's causing you to lose lane lines and exit the lane or or or, or fail to see. You know, I, I think regulating the perception systems and even being prescriptive about what sensors are in the cars are, are is a hard thing for, for NHTSA to do. But what they can say is, and what they say in this enforcement guidance, is that if your system doesn't anticipate all of the, the ways in which a human could foreseeably misuse this system and take steps to prevent that misuse, that that can itself constitute a defect and again I think it's taken time and I think collecting this data is one of the things that that needs to happen to move forward into this really unprecedented realm for for NHTSA they've never done anything really quite like this before Um, but I think you know on, on this public education and awareness and with the media side of it I think it's so important to emphasize that these level two systems what distinguishes them is that, is that they're not an unassisted human driving. They're not an automated driving system. They're a hybrid, right? It's it, you have like a human, you have a robot, and then you have cyborgs, which are sort of a, a fusion of the two. And if you take the human out of a cyborg, you have a robot that doesn't work, right? Fundamentally. And, and so I think when people understand, when I use these level two systems, I, as a human, am fundamentally part of this hybrid system um, and, and I think, uh, you know, so, so I think this is, this is, this, it's the human element of these level two systems that I think is going to be the focal point for NHTSA in part because, in part because that's where a lot of the safety issues really genuinely are, um, because the human is the last line of defense, but also I think because it's something that they can regulate in a more sort of consistent way without having to go through and try and write rules around like that really gets into this technology that might apply to w- the way one company, you know, writes their code, but maybe not another or the sensors that one use and not another. Um, And so I think the human piece of this and and also for public education, this is going to be really important that people now understand a level two system is not just a kind of self-driving system. It's safety depends fundamentally on the human being a fully engaged part of that system all the time. Look, it it should
2: be what NHTSA does. okay, and 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 each of these companies has trivial technologies then can figure out whether or not the user is misbehaving. Okay? As GM pointed, put it out there, you know, eye tracking. That's one, you know, it has cameras inside. It can see whether or not you, you hung a Coke can on the damn steering wheel to provide torque. Okay? There's no reason why the image processing systems can't go and check those things out, okay? And if it does, it should turn it off. It should turn it off and it should be in the book and say, we're turning it off. And until you get a note from your mother saying that you've gone through six weeks of retraining to not hang a Coke bottle from it and, and, and try to game the system, you don't get to use it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, I know that I'm being somewhat silly, but that could be put in a structured form. This is this is you're not required to use it. This is something that 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 you have the opportunity to use if you behave. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we've missed the boat with respect to with respect to breathalyzers. We could put breathalyzers in cars. To say the car doesn't run if you don't pass the breath test, okay. Yeah. And we can put enough code in there, enough cameras, enough sensors in there to get ninety-nine percent of the you know the, the the ways around it that any goofball would put in there. And you know, would you never get hundred percent? All yeah. right, but somehow we missed that with with the systems, okay? For for who knows what reasons? You know, we don't. We can't even go down with respect to these comfort and convenience systems that people use for comfort and convenience they don't use it for safety they think they can drive better than the car Uh, okay they use it for comfort you want the comfort and convenience of this thing then you have to behave and if you don't you don't get it it's like a toy for a kid
1: no, yeah, you know, I don't mean <laughs> no, but but I, you, I, you know, <laughs> you're absolutely right. But I, I think the other piece of this, so so one of the things I'm really keeping an eye on is um, I I IHS uh, Institute uh, Insurance Institutes for for Highway Safety. Yeah. Um, they're developing they develop some principles. Um, uh, around level two ADAS uh, that they are now in the process of translating into actual test, uh, tests. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if you go into those and, and you look at the things that they say are important principles, I think there's a really important insight there. And they've been really, I really commend the work that they've done because what, they, what these are responding to is the fact that these level two systems, unfortunately, I think a lot of them are being put out and, and being marketed you know to take advantage of people's excitement about self driving you know fully autonomous technology and to give people sort of a uh, you know well we can't give you your self driving car but like this is sort of as close as as we can get you know in something that we can sell you and and i think you know w- what these ihs principles show is it's not just part of it is absolutely calling it full self-driving, just the, the irresponsible demonstrations and, and and talks and whatever, those all things matter. And we're getting more data that really show a, a clear link between what these companies say and, and the misuse of, of these systems. But there's subtler things too, which is what IHS is going after, which is like, you know, uh, little cues that the system does that that kind of encourages you to believe that it's sort of a self-driving system versus something that is very clearly an assistive system. And just like one of the sort of counterintuitive things is like, if you come to a stoplight and you have ad- adaptive cruise control on, it should not then immediately restart. It should not automatically restart. It should be up to the human. If you come to a stop yeah. that, that it should disengage and and the human has to proactively drive and then re-engage the system so that it's clear this is about the human. The human is never not in control. These systems just just exist to assist them. And again, these very subtly in in these behavioral uh, ways, reinforce it and give people the wrong idea. So what you're right, a lot of it is misbehavior i think unfortunately you know either either through accident or or i think maybe intention in some cases the design of these systems encourage people to treat them like self driving systems when they're absolutely not and so i think it's a multi pronged thing we need to attack it with education and 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 the media and public mm-hmm. awareness but i think then on the, the the manufacturer side i think designing these adas systems to make it more clear this the automation is just here to help you out you are fundamentally still the driver um we have a lot of progress to make on that maybe we need a big sign you know instead <laughs> of these yellow things about
2: the airbag but this system can't kill you you know just like i haven't bought a pack of cigarettes and Fifty years. one. I don't know, but apparently that's on a pack of cigarettes these oh, days. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I wouldn't know. Anyway. It's been
1: about five years for me, and I can confirm. There's definitely some, some pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty well, bone con- Congratulations! Bubbles. Thank uh, you. you. Congratulations know, to you. Don't as well. ever take one. I, I've been more than fifty
2: years doing. You know, if I had one, I'd be. Pfft. I'd be done i mean i'd be all the I and mean, it would be terrible whatever
1: yeah I, I i quit when i finished my book so you know i, I, I was not going to be able to finish the book and, and quit so don't write another book it's not worth it
0: <laughs> <laughs> terrific what a, what a great discussion uh, yeah, alan uh, yeah one other thing we wanted to touch on before we wrap up here is that the uh smart driving car summit held this yep. month uh really exciting and a lot coming out of it still a lot to digest here.
2: Yep. Uh, we, it was, um, you know, I'm still on, on cloud nine as to how well the whole thing went out. And I think, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to change the world. I, you know, we're still going to do it. And I think for the right reasons. And, we'll, we'll you know, we, <laughs> I guess, got a lot of people to Princeton who sort of uh, were um, <laughs> singing the same song, but it was, it was pretty good.
0: Terrific. And uh, what has to happen now to get the moves moving? Moving in New Jersey, I guess, is request for proposals. i to find a technology things,
2: company you know? that believes that, you know, that believes that, in fact, you know, to, to get the massive scaling and and societal and, and corporate value, that you start, you know, you start with the people who can benefit most, as opposed to the people who can who have already too many ways to get from A to B. But, you know, that's a philosophical difference, and, um, and um, but all we need is one.
0: And we're on the road. We want to thank uh, Ed Niedermeyer for spending time with us. Uh, great insights, Ed, and, and a, really a terrific discussion. Find more at Autonicast, A-U-T-O-N-O-C-A-S-T dot com. His book, again, is titled "Ludicrous: the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors. Thank you, Ed. Thank, Thank you so much for Ed, having me. This has been is a lot, lot of fun.
2: fun, Ed. Thank you. You know, again, um, this is all brand. This is really brand new. It, it is a good step. It's it's in the right direction. We still have a lot of work to do.
1: Absolutely, and I guess my my last shout out would be to to folks who are, who are covering this because this is really hard. And I think you know they have done a really a really great job. And I think you know the exciting thing about this space is that you really do have to learn something every single day, whether you're yep. whether you're working on the engineering or whether you're you're covering it as a reporter. And um, I think anyone who who uh, thrives on that kind of a challenge, uh, you know, I think this is this is the right place to be. Yep.
0: Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. More info is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you turn to for podcasts. Smart speakers can play us, too, of course. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please stay safe.